Welcome back to the basement, everyone. You are now tuning into Chunky Glasses, the podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, as usual. We're glad to have you back down here to talk about a little rock and roll uh, this week yet again. Uh, first up out of the gate, coming up this week, we're going to be talking about a new album from Iggy Pop, a, uh, a superstar, one of the progenitors of rock and roll, if you will. Uh, I was a little nervous to talk about this album, as you'll hear us discuss a little bit, because... When another legend, uh, first podcast of this year, made an album that was uh, discussion-worthy, uh, we reviewed it, and then that weekend, that legend passed away. I'm not saying there's a connection, but I'm just saying we are very cautious now of who we talk about. Uh, you know, curses are real, man. Uh, no, but uh, Iggy Pop made an album with the, some of the gents in Queens of the Stone Age. We're going to be talking about that going to be playing a track from one uh rural forest it's actually a band called uh royal forest uh brought to my attention by uh one andrew grossman of the north country he doesn't know that but uh it made a great country album they are not a country band but they made a great country album so we're going to be playing a track from that and uh paul and i are going to you know sit down and discuss the ins and outs of uh of formats you know vinyl records Apparently did really well this past year, and uh, you know, try to parse what that means, what that means for the future, if it means anything. I don't know if it does, uh, and that's going to be your podcast for this week. So, uh, if you're ready, you can strap in, grab a beverage, get comfortable. Uh, here we go. This is episode number one hundred and sixty-nine of Chunky Glass of the Podcast, where we're reviewing the new album from Iggy Pop, Post Pop Depression. Okay. It happens here. And it finishes here. Two men enter. One man. Merely a two-word review. Just a shit sandwich. It I will roll the record up and go next week. That right there is a wonderful sound. Still cherry blossom weekend. Yeah, it still is. There's cherry blossoms up here in Brooklyn. Uh, I've been advised to not go down to the tidal basin because it is a clusterfuck. But I never, you know, I've never done that. No, lived here for twelve years because of the internet. Never gone down there uh, because <laughs> it seems like a shit show. Not because of the internet. No, not because of the internet. I mean, come on. I mean, look, we can get pictures of them all the time. I mean, it's not in yeah. smell vision. Well, I I also work right next to the tidal basin. Oh, so you can see it, and I can see it. But also uh, from your cushy office, you one percent. <laughs> no, yeah, from my cushy, my cushy windowless office. I can walk <laughs> to one of the conference rooms that actually uh, like, has a window view. Damn the man! Uh, but uh, yeah, I do get to deal with all of the lovely tourists infiltrating my Starbucks oh, in the afternoon. I see, I see. Um, we're here to talk about a. Uh, I'm not going to say good or bad album yet. We're here to talk about a, an album by a legend. Uh, this week, or this second podcast this week, maybe it's the first, I'm not sure what order this is coming out in, uh, talking about one Iggy Pop, I was actually, so it was on the list, and then I was sort of skeptical, because uh, you know, last time we talked about an album like this, the motherfucker up and died. <laughs> so, so I hope that this is not a curse, 
by talking about Iggy Pop, uh, who is the same age as David Bowie. Uh, he does not die after we talk about this. Otherwise, we have a problem, Paul. <laughs> we have some weird final destination. Yeah, though, I mean, I, I think, you know, but Bowie knew he was on his way out. I don't. I don't get the same uh, elegiac. You, ne- you never know. From, uh, you Iggy never Pop know. Here. You never know. Uh, before that, I want to talk about an article that popped up in Billboard uh, earlier this week. I believe it was uh, basically the same. Vinyl sales in the U.S. generated more revenue in 2015 than uh, advertising on YouTube, Spotify combined. Uh, all streaming industries essentially. Uh, the figures reveal that the sales uh, amounted to 416 million. While the ad revenue from streaming uh, sites SoundCloud, Spotify, and YouTube only made three hundred eighty-five, uh, it says vinyl sales rose thirty-two percent and hit their highest total since nineteen eighty-eight. Uh, before we get into this, I, I do want to point out it costs a lot of money to make vinyl. Mm-hmm. Vinyl ain't fucking cheap. So I don't know if we're talking about gross or net. You know, if it's just like gross, then that's not that good. That sounded like gross, but I don't yeah, have yeah, yeah. Uh, the footnotes. And so, so you know, we have we go back and forth between the uh, streaming revolution, the vinyl revolution, and whatnot. Uh, this sounds like uh, vinyl might be getting ready to take the lead. What do you think? I mean, I think they're complementary. Yeah, um, I think that the way. I think that the way that a lot of people consume music these days is that they do most of it on streaming. That's your casual listening. Mm-hmm. But then if you find someone you really like or you go to a show and you find something and you find someone you really like, then when you buy it, there's no reason to buy a cheap CD anymore because that's what you're getting with streaming. Right. So you buy the collector's piece and that's well, vinyl. Except for that ridiculous thing we reported on where like CDs are coming back. Yeah. Well, that's nah. that's just stupid. That's <laughs> – it's just some asshole needed a long form topic. <laughs> <laughs> How do you really feel? <laughs> no, but but look, because vinyls display better. You know, they sound better. But I think that a lot of people don't actually listen to most of their vinyl. Probably it's this yeah. is part of a collection, and it, it's. Partially how you support an artist, but it's something a little more tangible than having than having streaming. However, I would say, and it's not like I've done a regression analysis of, on this or anything, mm-hmm. that without the ubiquity of streaming, you would not be seeing the spike, this spike in vinyl sales. I agree. And it's something I've said about uh, piracy, too, for a long time. Like, when you make all of this in Napster, you know, when you make all of this available to people, all of a sudden they have a huge vocabulary. Their their awareness, their mind is opened up mm-hmm. to the possibilities. And so all of a sudden a little band that you've never heard of, which uh, we're actually going to play a track by a little band you've never heard of uh, this week, uh, you know, can put out something on vinyl and it makes them money. Yeah. Actual money that can maybe buy them lunch, put gas in their van. Yeah. Uh, and that is uh, – on the whole, I think a net positive. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting uh, because, you know, uh, the same story was not the same story, but a similar story about the growth of cassettes uh, earlier this year, which that's total bullshit. Like nobody should be buying yep, cassettes. That's right. I agree. And I mean, is cassettes are like a keychain. If you want the, uh, you know, the band XYZ keychain, you know, you can get that or you can get the cassette. Like, it's a tchotchke. Yeah, except that a keychain actually serves a purpose. <laughs> Man, uh, we're rowdy today. <laughs> um, you know, uh, but but vinyl, on the other hand, is a very solid listening experience. In fact, I'm, I'm making room upstairs. We have a record player down here. Like you said, I don't, I don't use it very much because I have to come all mm-hmm. the way down here and – this is a place I tend to do a lot of work. 
and uh, I want it up where I actually listen to a lot of music. Right. And so I'm making room to put a new turntable up there uh, where I will start moving select records up there mm-hmm. and get more vinyl and stuff and do it that way. Yeah, I mean, and I think that the other thing, and it, it ties into what I was saying before, is that vinyl is the best way right now for folks to satisfy their curatorial impulse. Something yes. we've talked about a lot is both the the pluses and minuses of everybody having access to all music all the time. And there's a lot of benefits, and I think they definitely outweigh the negatives. But one of the negatives is you felt a greater connection to a band that you quote-unquote discovered through some hard work, mm-hmm. and then you had it in your collection in a physical form. You know, And that could have been a mixtape that you made, something you recorded off of, uh, some bootleg that got passed back, back to back. Something or you just, record off a radio. Or even just a CD. Like People can come in, look at it on the shelf, and be like, oh, that's cool. That means nothing if you're just like, hey, check out what I clicked on on Spotify. Right, nobody, right. nobody cares. But if you've got the vinyl... And then you can show people. You can feel a little bit more of a connection and yeah. a, a connection to the to the musician. And uh, you know, like I said, they play they play together in concert. If you still needed a physical copy of everything, or even if you still needed to buy the MP3s for everything, I don't think that you would see this level of uh, of vinyl growth. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's weird. So I my I just nuked my uh, iTunes catalog, and I legitimately in figuring this out. I had no reason to rebuild it. I mean, I don't. Like, there's, I can just, advances aren't going to be available. That's stuff that we listen to to review. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was no reason really to do that. And I spent three days rebuilding the thing um, because I did feel like a, a curatorial like instinct towards that. I felt a little ownership of mm-hmm. it. Uh, I didn't lose the files, you know, just the, uh, just the program. And, you know, again, for me, it comes down to, uh, I, I wonder if if all these people, if this is a collection thing, or if people are really digging into the different and probably superior listening experience. Uh, you know, a lot. You can say a lot of things about vinyl, like you have to. It forces you to pay attention. You have to listen to it. Uh, you know, you have to sit and listen to it. You have to get up and flip the side and whatnot. But I wonder how many people actually do that in practice. Right. And that's what keeps me from like going hardcore vinyl because. Uh, a lot of times I just don't have time to sit down and listen to an, an entire album outside of the work yeah. that we do, um, which is takes up a lot of time. But um, what actually intrigues me most about this has nothing to do with these numbers is uh, I'm going to go off on a little sci-fi tangent, it's, but it's actually science fact, bro. Uh, 3D printing. Okay. Right now you can print an album. So what do you think in the future? I don't know. Ten years. Let's give it ten years. I, I say I'll be here in five. What do you think is going to happen to stuff when you can get a cheap 3D printer specifically for printing vinyl and you print your own vinyl? You buy – It's how a 3D printer works if you don't know. You buy basically a CAD drawing. Mm-hmm. And load it up, and this device does some weird magic on it, and you come out with a physical product. I don't think it's going to be that popular. No? No, I don't. I could see industrial 3D printers being really useful. Uh, I'm sorry. I could, I could see industrial 3D printers being really useful for making the production process cheaper right. for these things. But again, unless you're 
just uh, an audiophile who is like, I only listen to things on vinyl. The reason people are getting this is not because of the vinyl. It's because of the collection aspect. And if you're just sitting at home being like, okay, I just bought that and downloaded it and printed it out. Mm -hmm. Well, you're not getting the, you're not getting the cool special edition cover art or the, or the, or the features, you know, that are, you know, so is that it? Yeah. yeah, It's It's the double gatefold. That's the draw. I think it's the whole package, you know, people, you find it in a record store or you buy it at a concert. You can, you're, you're, you're showing something not just to yourself, but to other people. And if it's like, yeah, Hey, I printed this out from my computer. Nobody gives a shit. It's (laughs) if you, if you printed a book out from your computer and stuck it on your shelf, you can do that now if you wanted to, but nobody does that because that's dumb as hell. So I mean, <laughs> yes, yes, it is dumb as hell. Um, I bet there's people that do that, though. Yeah, but I, I don't understand. I, really? Have you ever seen anybody do that? I don't know. I mean, there's a, there's an entire network now dedicated to hoarding. I mean, Is I, it impossible to think that some hoarders are just specifically like, I pirated this book and then printed it out? Okay, yeah, but that's not a market. <laughs> like, that's not, it's not, that's not killing the ebook market, right? Right, there. right, right. right. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's, I, I think what this really points out is that you, there are pluses and minuses to all these different formats. And I think you can empirically get into, we, we're not going to, one sounding better over the other. I don't think there's a uh, a whole a holistic like answer to either. There's just benefits to a CD versus a stream versus an album. Mm-hmm. And that depends on like what you like. And I you know, uh, I don't think any of this is going to kill off the other. I mean that that's you know so a report like this is just sort of like okay, cool. Like you're moving physical product. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's that's all I get from it. I'm sure Dave Lowry gets something different from it. <laughs> I should have asked him. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm honestly, I so want to book him on this podcast. I'm so scared to. <laughs> you just did a spit take. <laughs> How bad do you think that would go? It's so bad. <laughs> It'd be horrible. I mean, if, so, if the man's ever listened to any of our podcasts before, he just either won't come on or he'll just come on and like shout you down. No, he'll just punch me. I'll punch you. He yeah. could punch you. Yeah. But I love Camper Van Beethoven. I just can't listen to it on my streaming services anymore. Dick. Um, Sounds like you should buy the vinyl. I I own the (laughs) vinyl. I own the vinyl. Oh, the system works. Yes. (laughs) God damn it. Uh, So, yeah, you know, we're going to put a link to the show notes and then read the comments. Might put a thing about the 3D printing thing because I am am fascinated by this right now. But uh, for now, I think we're going to let that down and get on to some old school rock and roll.
your heart. Uh, that voice, I don't know if it's familiar. Honestly, I, I, I mean, I know everybody knows who he is. That's Iggy Pop, but I, I don't know if I've ever heard him quite like that. Yeah, a little bit. It's a little, uh, little gothic tinge to it uh, off his uh, latest album. Uh, his first in a couple of years, actually, uh, post pop depression. Uh, this is, uh, besides being an awesome album title, I, that's amazing. Uh, this is his 23rd album. His yeah. last album was actually one that's partially in French. I heard a really great, and I these words are coming out of my mouth, and yet I'm like, why? But uh, him and Josh Homme sat down with uh, Chris Hardwick of the Nerdist Podcast mm-hmm. talking about uh, this stuff, and it was better than his interview with Mark Maron. Because you get a lot of the humor and a lot yeah. of the and and not a lot of the idol worship, uh, which was evident in the Marin. The Marin interview was good, but this was more like you got more of Iggy Pop the man, um, you know, who by the way is James Newell Osterberg Jr. Not a rock and roll name. Uh, he is sixty eight years old, as we mentioned up front. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna jinx this man. Shows no signs of slowing down. God. <laughs> He, he's he's he's, gonna, he's about he's what we gonna, got left. Yeah, with, he is with, about with, which, Bo, with which Bowie jo- and Reed dead. Yeah, we, we, which Josh Homme said that said he is the last. He is the last one. Um, this is one of his most vital releases in years. Clearly, part of it is because it was produced by Josh Homme. It's uh, recorded at Rancho Rancho de la Luna and Joshua Tree. If you watch the Sonic Highways, did you watch that? No, I didn't. It's good. You should you should watch it. Uh, but if you watch that, it's the Foo Fighters went there. It's basically a little house out in the middle in fucking nowhere, which makes sense given the crew that was on it. This was um, uh, Josh Homme uh, and Matt Helder, uh, sorry, and, and Dean uh, Ferrite from Queens of the Stone Age, and Matt Helder's from the Arctic Monkey Monkeys. Um, this is, you know, we went back and listened to a lot of Iggy Pop for this, I would say, mm-hmm. which was a joy. It was, it was fantastic. And this is anytime you get to an album like this late period album career, you have to wonder what's going on if they're, if they're vying for relevance. And I still can't decide if he's trying to be relevant or this is just simply a thing this guy is doing. So what, what, what do you, what's your take on that? Yeah. I honestly, I don't get, any um, striving for relevance on this. Right. I think that his, you know, his latter day work, good and bad, and, you know, there's been some not so great stuff yeah. that's come out of it, has been a little bit more experimental. And I don't mean experimental, capital E, like way out there on the fringe. Experimental for him. Yeah. But trying to bring in song structures that he hadn't used previously, trying to incorporate different sounds. And I think he did a really great job with it on this album. And yeah, some of it is probably is is probably because of Josh's production, because the production is really good on this. Um but you can also but I think you can hear a lot of that latter day Bowie influence too. Like he's Absolutely. going down the he's going down some of those same paths but taking it in his own direction because it's not nearly as death obsessed or anything like that. But the mm-hmm. way that the way that he's manipulating I think the soundscapes within the album um are really interesting. And I did not I it sounds nothing like what I would have expected. And I don't mean that right, just that, from yeah. just from thinking about like old Iggy Pop, but like there's there's no punk in this. This no. is somebody who's who's truly musically evolved, and it's. I think it's interesting to note too that he claims this is his last album. Oh, so, I, I did not. Know yeah, that. no. He says this is the last album I'm recording. Holy so shit! This is the statement he wants to go out on. Okay, 
Well, yeah, yeah, that that might change my assessment of it. I I feel like you know the track Gardenia is the is the new single right mm-hmm. now, um, and it ends in a weird uh, after he repeats it uh, in the song with him just isolated in a very deep voice. I mean, he's a sixty year old, eight year old guy saying, you know, uh, I have nothing but my name. I have nothing, and, and he repeats it. It's for me. I so I should say first up. I'm not a fan of Queens of the Stone Age. Okay. Uh, I I don't even think I respect what they do. I, I mean, it's, uh, you know, they came out of Caius, which was this weird, like, desert, heavy metal band and stuff, and grew up from that. Uh, and I've always viewed them of as this weird sort of, like, turbo-masculine, like, juvenile fantasy that is fine, but it's not something I'm drawn to in, it was not something I was drawn to in my 30s, not something I'm drawn to in my 40s. Maybe if I was younger, I would have been like, yeah, this is fucking rock and roll. But nothing about them uh, intrigues me and makes me want to listen to them. And I feel Hami's touch, who fronts that man, on on that, this album, uh, it weighs really heavily. So the first time I heard it, I was like, oh, man, this is like you know, Queens of the Stone Age fronted by Iggy Pop. But oh, I don't. No, I, it's I don't it's, it's, that. it's, a, it's a, that's being reductive. Yeah. But but you know, I mean, the song in the lobby definitely like has that more than anything. I mean, there's some there's some touch to it, but well, and I'll, I'll say I like Queens of the Stone Age a lot more than you do. Yeah, you I'm do. not I'm not a huge fan of theirs, but I dig the music. Yeah. You know, it's it's good stuff, and I also think that it's. I, I think it's more complex than what you're giving than what you're giving it credit for. Well, like, I, I I didn't finish. Yeah. So, so what I'm finding though is that you take this formula, and and again, this is a it's a very dark, it's a very gothic album, it's a very dramatic album. I mean, they, you can you can do drama and music, and and people often attribute it to uh, a younger thing, mm-hmm. you know. The so the crow <laughs> soundtrack stuff like that. Well, I mean, it's very easy to draw. Which drama. I featured. As one of my Rocktoberfest <laughs> yes, ones a few years yeah, ago. Yeah, you did. And, you know, because you can – it's very easy to make dramatic music. You mm-hmm. just drop it into a minor key and you hit some you know, minor thirds and, and, and you're done. And he's doing that. But something about the artistry in Pop's voice and the – the re, I have never heard him like this elevates this a little bit for me to where I'm like, oh, this actually is interesting because if – if you played this at like a goth parade or something, right? You know, it, it, it it's it. Well, I think I, I think you hit on something really interesting there. Is that you know most most music when you're going for tone a certain tone, there is a formula you can hit absolutely. But part of it, but part of what makes it work or not work is the legitimacy you bring to it. I hear you know. I hear my chemical romance hit the same formula and I'm like, go fuck yourself. (laughs) But I hear, I hear 68 year old Iggy pop hit that. And I'm saying, Hey, guess what? I believe you. Yeah. And if you want to be dramatic, you've got something to say here. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can easily like close your eyes and picture, honestly, like Iggy pop dressed as Dracula singing this album. And I, that's such a weird like juxtaposition of like rock and roll and yeah, like creature feature. But the, I think it's in his history. I think I mean he's 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 a showman. I don't get the Dracula and the mascara thing here. I think of it more as like uh, it's kind of like the the Tom Waits Skid Row bluesman vibe right there. Let's let's touch on that. Let's let's play a song. 
but we're going to touch on that real quick uh, after the song. So uh, the name of the song is Sunday, uh, and this is off of uh, Post-Pop Depression. Yeah, 
Sunday from uh, Iggy Pop. Uh, you know, if you if you were getting some major Bowie vibes off that, I think you're you're headed in the right direction. You know, they were peers and they they respected yeah. each other. Uh, I don't remember. Did they work together ever? I don't know. That's something I probably should. This is some for comedian. Yeah. yeah, you know, uh, but not a facts based podcast, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's fine. Facts. Facts. <laughs> um, you know, when when it hits songs like that, it it definitely recalls. Uh, that that's more what I would have, have expected, mm-hmm. uh, but the stuff wrapped around it is it just gets. I mean, there is a little Dracula in that one. So we were saying before, though, we went in that song. He is one of the last, but there are more. There is another. Yeah, uh, Tom Waits. Yeah, uh, is, is getting up there, but Tom Waits is not. Tom Waits is not quite from the same era, you know. Tom Tom Waits started crooning in like the mid seventies, and we've got that's about when when did Raw Power come out? What's it was late sixties? Yeah, so, yeah. So not. I mean, when you're pro, when you're like the punk progenitor versus yeah. the guy who's you know doing the heart of Saturday Night in the late yeah yeah, 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 a little yeah, bit yeah, yeah. a little bit different right there. Yeah, but I mean, they're all you know that 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 recalls a good bit of like '90s Bowie uh, and stuff. And um, yeah, I mean, if this is what he's going out on, it's just sort of that's crazy. Actually, now that I think about it, because. If you listen to this album like straight through, there are it is it is a little uh, loose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's there's no unifying uh, sonic theme per se. You know, it, and it's not characters. This is all Iggy Pop. Yeah, uh, and that, and that's a, a great thing about Iggy Pop. I you know other people can inhabit characters and sing about depravity and stuff, and I, I don't think Iggy Pop is a, a depraved man. But he he wears the costume. Yeah. You know, he he gets out, you know, he just played a show at South by Southwest, you know, scrawny and all, and shirt off, let's go. It's ready to ride. I mean, this is is his art. This is his character. Um, But it does play then in that that perspective as like I'm summing up all these things that I actually like. Yeah. And I, and I like that. I think you, I think you said it very well right there that, you know, as a crowning statement, I think we have a tendency, and I and I'm not immune to this because I love albums that 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 are you know so thematically coherent. You want someone to put out something like Black Star and just be like, yeah. "Yep, that it, this is the the <laughs> statement I want to make." Well, you don't <laughs> you don't want someone to die, but uh, but you know what I'm saying, right there. Like mm-hmm. if it's if that's what you're going to go out on, then it just makes for such a tight narrative, and it feeds into the into the genius perspective. Yeah. But I think Iggy Pop's going like. Look, here's a lot of different stuff I can do, and these are all aspects of me, the individual, but also me, the character, yeah. and the life I've inhabited in music. It's more of a, it's not a, it's not a cohesive thematic statement. It's more of a statement on his on his career on him. and what he's still got left. He's like, I've got all this in the tank, and I'm choosing to walk away. Yeah, nothing's making me walk away. I just, you know, this is all out there. It's still there. And I've still got it, and I don't want to so, do it anymore. Yeah, like you take the track Paraguay, and you know, at the end of that, he is just like shouting out everything. He is, he is like mad at the world. He's like, everything is bullshit. Fuck everything and stuff. And that is, I mean, that's the last track on the album. So if that's his 
through all this like drama and and everything through this album, if that's his final statement, you know, he's always been a rabble rouser, and he's, he's just leaving like, the way he came in. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I mean, are we gonna? Is this like some weird like dark tower connected universe shit? Where we're gonna have to go back through every album now? <laughs> it'd be it'd be awesome, right? Like he's left. He's addressing crumbs throughout every album. Like yeah. I, I didn't even look. Maybe Gardenia is a character. Maybe we might we might just not have gone deep enough into the discography to really get it. Not a fact based podcast. Um, so what are you going to do with this? Uh, I'm going to buy it. I like it a lot. I think uh, it's a fitting capstone to a really eclectic, important career. I'll keep listening to it throughout the year. Good, solid album. Right. I was originally on the past tip because of my uh, allergy to Queens of the Stone Age, but uh, I am just in talking about this, I am now more interested in not just this album, but Iggy Pop's career. So I'm going to stream it. Uh, I am going to dig back through and find out if Gardenia exists like, <laughs> and, and all these call outs and see if that is, that is a thing where it sums it up since it is his last album. And uh, I recommend you do too, because that's, if, man, if that's, if that's the case, that's a hell of a trick. To hide my face and spend my dough Though it's a dream, it's not a lie and I won't stop to say goodbye Paraguay Iggy Pops, post-pop depression, um, you know, dig it or don't. Dig it. Yeah, yeah. Paul says dig it. Uh, so if you're a Paul guy, then then you know what you got to do. If you're a me guy, you know, maybe maybe be a little bit skeptical. Uh, Wait, do, are, are there like teams of fans out there? I think like, there are. Like several of them? I like think there are. Five. Uh, I have to check our clout score, but I think they're, uh, I don't even know what, the, know what that means. <laughs> Um, now you're saying things that millennials understand that I have no, I have no, <laughs> right, right. I don't understand them either. Um, we're almost at this podcast this time, but before we get out, I'm, I want to play a song by a band, uh, brought to my attention by one, uh, Andrew Grossman. He doesn't know this was, if you have heard us, uh, talk about Andrew Grossman, he's been down here in the basement. He is the uh, front guy and main songwriter for the North country who are hard at work on a new album. Mm. It's almost finished. I've been told maybe fall was going to be coming out. Okay. And they're working on it. Uh, in between that and throwing uh, kick-ass shows at the Bathtub Republic, which is essentially right around the corner from here now, uh, they do find time to listen to music. Uh, and this is a band uh, by the name of uh, Royal Forest out of Austin, Texas. You know, part of the whole DIY thing and the house show thing is that you uh, – 
you invite bands to come play at your house, and then when you're on tour, you have a place to stay. This is a network as old as rock and roll, and it's it's beautiful when it works. Uh, they met these guys on tour, uh, and they are, you know, I mean, make clear. Normally, they are a uh, your general indie band. You know, if you if you think of just indie indie rock and what mm-hmm. you we expect to hear, this is what they're doing. But uh, they all are steeped in country music given their location and given their upbringing. Uh, and they have a studio there that is, is sort of made like the old school studio. So they said, why don't we make a country album since we already know how to do all this? Uh, so they did. Uh, the name of the album is Rural Forest. You can get it on Bandcamp. I think it's free. Uh, I will correct it in the show notes if it's not. But uh, And I highly recommend you get that. Uh, it is a collection of covers uh, done of famous country, old, old country musicians. And the track we're going to play is Driving Nails in My Coffin from uh, Ernest Tubb. So uh, here we go. This is some country. Put on your put on your uh, boots and scoot or whatever boogie, whatever this is. <laughs> I don't know, but driving nails in my coffin uh, off of rural forest.
Yeehaw! Right? <laughs> right? Yeah. That's, uh, that's, some, that's some shit-kicking fucking country right. music. I need to pull out my washboard for that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, this is there's a lot of talk uh, on the in, in the blogosphere and in the hype, hype sphere about the return of country music. I don't think it's gone anywhere, and I think these songs still exist. And I think this makes this type of stuff on two levels makes me like this band more. Uh, I just started checking out their, their actual stuff. But too often bands get like, I am this, I am this. And too often indie bands just suck as musicians. Like they can do the one, they can imitate Grizzly Bear. It's like great, you know, or their synth pop. And yes, I just like shat on all of synth pop. But I think you're just like trying to alienate every musician out there. Yes, right I now. am. No, but, but in this case, uh, you know, this is so against their type and, 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 gives an insight into like who these are as musicians and makes them more interesting to me. You know, people say you, you know, we were talking about vinyl. People say you, you find a band by their album cover or whatnot. Like I find mm-hmm. a band by what they can do. And if they can, if they're actually music fans and only a music fan could do this, you can pull this off and I'm good. Like, did, did you feel the urge to uh, drink some whiskey and maybe, I don't know, Shoot a dust bowl or something. Uh, well, the first thing you just mentioned, I pretty much want to do most of the yes, time. Yes. So <laughs> Yeah. It all just uh just amplified that particular desire. Yeah, yeah. But 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 am I right? I mean, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, no, it's it's good solid country. Yeah, yeah. So uh Rural Forest, we'll put the link in there for that from uh Royal Forest out of Austin, Texas. Thank you, Andrew Grossman, for being on the Facebook and pony posting about things like this. Uh, that is your podcast for this week coming up in the next few weeks. We've got a, a good little, uh, we got some interviews. Yeah. I'm not, we're st- Phil cook. Okay. Phil cook. If you're listening, if somebody in Phil cook's camp is listening, let's make this happen this time, but that's supposed to be coming up. But regardless, uh, fellow creatures has a new album out. So that's coming up in a few weeks. And you heard us talking about Lucy Dacus. You hear us talk about her a lot. Uh, she is coming back to town to now play a sold out show opening for Hound's Mouth at the 930 Club. Uh, before that, we have an interview with her, which is, I don't know, it's, it's awesome. That's pretty sweet. It's, it's a great fucking interview. Great chat. So uh, got that to look forward to. And now almost 170 of these to catch up on. So, so uh, that is your podcast uh, this time around. Uh, get out and see some live music, people. And uh, as usual, be good to your ears. But be better your people. We will talk to you soon. Kenobi! <laughs> 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 <laughs>